Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic Hour. We are here with the chat room open, and we're a little late today. Our apologies, but we are here to take your calls. 914 is the call-in number. Please press 1 if you'd like to speak with us. What else? Join us on Facebook and on Twitter. I have to continue posting to our pages, which is impossible from the laptop now. I don't understand why. So I have to do it on my phone. Very annoying. Um, what else? Uh, if any of you thousands of callers that are lined up here want to donate to us today, we have a link in our episode info for donations. We really appreciate anything you can afford to help the show, to help defray the show's expenses. Anything you want to say, Neil? No, that's, that was an adequate introduction. Adequate. Wow, I'm 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 so flattered. I'm so flattered. Adequate. What a compliment. Yeah. What a compliment. I'm a hard grader. Yeah. Uh, Kingsfield was my teacher, Professor Kingsfield. Professor Kingsfield. When I was in law school. Um, and I was uh, pursuing that paper chase. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got an A. Delusional. I got an A in this class. And was the psychiatric ward actually, after I, that or prior as well? No, there was no psychiatric ward. I, I mean, I think I visited you there once. <laughs> but, I, you know, it was uncomfortable seeing you drooling in a cage. But... Uh, I I suspect that uh, we were talking about the world of psychic phenomena and psychics, and when we when we are waiting for callers, we often try to educate Talk. our listeners. Yeah, um, the ones listening on Timbuk in Timbuktu. Well, I you know there are a lot of people I'd like to educate that probably don't listen to our show. <laughs> well, it, you know, the, it, it, it's a funny thing. I mean, psychics, I was uh-huh. thinking about this, that uh, when I first started being a psychic, there was really no platform like there is today. There weren't really radio shows. You were lucky if somebody like Johnny Carson had you on the show, but boy, you had to be one out of a million and famous. And the few psychics that did hit notoriety 
they didn't have platforms really. Uh, there were no shows. They had. Or, they did not have platforms. No. But they had soapboxes. No. They, they didn't they have those had, either. Didn't have those either. Wow. They had platform shoes. Wow. Is what they had. I see. Uh, and um, that's like like little Richard would wear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there wasn't much opportunity for a psychic. Uh, the only way you could visit a psychic, if you want to call them that, was through palm readers and fortune tellers, yeah, crystal I mean, ball gazers. And yeah, this is something. There weren't, there weren't really psychics. No. The psychics that existed were basically um, in the media in some form, maybe televised, but you couldn't like go and see them. It was very difficult you know, back in the it, 60s, 50s, it, and 60s. In my, for my generation. So I, my first, I think my first, I mean, I, my first experience getting a psychic reading was at like this fair that we had in our area that I lived in. And it's a more progressive area, very liberal and, and, and open. And there psychic school so in that my was, that was in the 70s or 80s no 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 90s oh not oh even 90s 90s it well, was in the 90s so that was my first gosh you're making me sound a lot older than i am um it was in the 90s and it, you know i had an inadequate reading it was at, i can't remember the name of the fair but anyway it was at a psychic fair or some kind of fair where they do all kinds of stuff where, you know, they sell crystals and soap and, you know, there were readers there, I think, um, other than the ones from the school, probably. And then word of mouth, I had, I did go to a palm reader on more than one occasion, which was complete crap. I mean, it was so general, but it was fun, the experience of being, you know, very young and going with your girlfriend and, you know, going to a palm reader is exotic, whatever, you know, how they're kind of decorated and, uh, you know, gaudy way, they're yeah. the palm readers' homes. But then then a word of mouth, I don't know how it, I, I don't know how this person came to me, but I went to a woman's home who was just a regular Caucasian woman and had a reading from her. And some of the things she did tell me were accurate, actually. She did give me somewhat of an accurate reading. And then I'm and then then I think there was a long gap between that time and the time that I had for, for further readings. But it wasn't, you know, there was no blog talk radio no. like like you were saying in your time. No blog talk radio. Word of mouth was even the way that I started getting readings, um, having readings in the 2000s, and that's when I found Blog Talk Radio, because I stopped for a long time. I mean, there were books, which I rapidly devoured. <laughs> there were books out there. And there were tarot card readers. Um, I guess my angle that gave me the advantage was my grandfather was a psychic, but he was just a, a street psychic. He was just a, a guy that was a man that was a psychic. He didn't have a business over it. He just was a psychic and he would tell people things, but it wasn't a business. He didn't charge or anything. He just would say things to people and they were true. But 
he did start to introduce me to the basics of his gift, the very basics. And he did use regular playing cards sometimes to teach me about the energy of cards. But oh. now it wasn't until uh, I ran away from home and I went to an amusement park on Santa Monica Pier called Pacific Ocean Park, where I encountered a tarot card reader slash priestess, magician, whatever. And she took me under her wings and we had some experiences what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. And we we flew. Um, <laughs> I, I, I flew with the what flew? That's yeah, the yeah. question. No, no. I mean, she she described the tarot card deck to me, and she was. But you know, really, I mean, aside from my grandfather and this, they were they were gypsies, and they they actually lived on the beach back in those days. They had coaches and and caravans and things. And they actually lived on the beach. And the um, the guy that I worked under directly was an organ grinder uh, with a monkey. <laughs> and, and, yeah, this gets really, the euphemisms keep it coming. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was good at grinding his organ. And, um, and he taught, taught you how, how to do, do it. it. Taught me how to do it. And I became a book, book expert. And uh, wrote a book famous book called Organs Plus. Uh, <laughs> keep your organ in tune, things like that. There were sequels. But uh, so there was that going on. And everybody, you know, in, in the carnival world, which was really Pacific Ocean Park was an established amusement park. They were trying to duplicate Disneyland. And the organ grinder did work there, but he lived on the beach with his monkey and um and amongst other gypsies, and that's where I got involved into the situation. And then, but they also had a, what would you call a penny arcade? And sometimes they had this glass booth with a window in it. And behind the window was this mechanical robot-like wizard. And you put your dime in, and he'd wave his hands over the car. Wasn't that like a, what a wizard featured in the movie Big, Big or yeah, something? Yeah, like that. Sometimes they were they were depicted as women gypsies, but this happened. This one sometimes they did throw a woman gypsy in there, but I remember also a man dressed up like a wizard, and I'd drop my coin in, and his he he a pretty accurate. Um, he gave pretty accurate predictions because a car, you drop it in, you wave his hand, mechanical wooden hand over a couple of cards, and then out would pop, pop this paper card, and it would tell your fortune. And I don't know. I became mesmerized by that thing. But that was the first time that I ever paid a psychic as a child to give me a fortune. Well, and, I mean, there would be no possible way in god's green earth that i would ever have been let out of the home to go to some kind of park park. well i know i mean i and i i attempted running away but you know i probably got you know down to the end of the block and returned home i I didn't have the means to transport myself i guess you know you were in an area that was yeah it was miles away but you know i was a strange kid how did you get there walk you walked miles? I, yeah. Well, believe it or not, I 
because I was a fan of old rascals, I started hitchhiking when I was a child. And yeah, I had some pretty harrowing experiences, but I always got out of them. But yeah, I I um I remember one time a guy drove me down there on his motorcycle. It, it, it just I was just okay. you know I was it was back in the fifties and that's where it was. So, but there were no. Uh, but having said that and being involved in this, I don't know. Something then led me to this strange bookstore. I must have been about ten. And I went to this strange bookstore. It was in Hollywood, and it was actually a psychic bookstore shop. And I, that's where I got my first copy of The Astral Plane by, I think it's Powell. Uh, Leadbeater, no? Yeah, Leadbeater. Leadbeater. The, the Astral Plane. And I read that when I was about 10 years old and started to get a, get a handle on the things I was seeing in the astral realm as a child because I would see these ghosts and strange figures and stuff. And that was the first time that I started to understand that there there was some legitimate reason to see it. Aside from my grandfather's kind of mumbling some explanations to me, he wasn't really one that saw that saw. He did see spirits. He did see spirits. And he believed he was a reincarnation of a king. but, but but this book kind of got into more detail, and I still have the copy. Uh, it's a small book. But but there were no real, I mean, and then downtown L.A. that you'd see a, a you know, fortune teller, <laughs> but it was always creepy and dirty. And it just, it didn't, it just didn't have the polished, available, overpopulated, under 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 talented, I believe, creations that we have now put out as psychics. There are good psychics out there. Um, I'm not saying that it's exclusive. But they're they're but, they're difficult to find. Actually, they are kind of difficult. They're to find. hard to find. But there are psychics out there, and more and more well, people like are coming said, out of the woodwork and saying, "Well, I've been psychic since I was a child." I know. I hear the their histories. Much. They sound very similar. But you know, um, you know, the thing is for me, I mean, I, I, I was psychic. I had psychic experiences, valid, confirmed dreams that were um, extraordinary. I was not someone who saw, though. I didn't have like my third eye was not open insofar as I saw ghosts and spirits. So I mean, my when I hear people claim. To say, you know, claim, oh, I saw ghosts and spirits. I mean, I just feel like it's so common to hear that people had an activated third eye, and maybe it's true. And yes, my third eye was activated to a point because I was having dreams or knowing the future, things like that. But, you know, as far as sight, not so much. So do I believe necessarily that these people are so gifted? And so I'm thinking of a few other experiences. There was another school by the college that I went to, a psychic school, and a girlfriend and I went for a reading there. And the guy told me, oh, you know, I just see you, Kristen, out on a sailboat, just free, and your hair is blowing. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, I was blonde then. I don't know if it was like my image that he was reading because you know I looked like I might be someone who would you know 
be into sailboats or the water, but not at all true. Not at all true. Yeah, I went, some, a friend of mine convinced me that his family had been seeing a psychic and he was very, very famous. And I don't remember his name, but he, he compelled me to do a reading with him because he thought that we would really connect. Well, this guy did drive up in the limousine and he had a private driver. He drove up to his house, this guy's house. And he, you know, apparently was wealthy and was the real thing. And he advised the family on certain matters. So he gave, so I agreed to pay him and he gave me a reading. And what he told me was that I was going to go to Africa and marry a woman from England. Well, that didn't happen. Oh, and you knew that wasn't going to happen anyway. No, I, no. I mean, I, we, we, we didn't get along well. But, <laughs> uh, but I let him talk. I want to hear what he had to say. I was probably 17, 16. Uh, and I let him do his thing. Now, but that is to say, I don't want, you know, we don't want people saying that, oh, you guys think you're the only one. No. no there are people out there that are talent, more talented than myself. I'm not saying that there aren't psychics I, I, out there. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't well, say there, that. There are a you. lot of good psychics out there. I will say this, hundreds. though. I, I, I had, I've had good experiences on Blog Talk Radio when I want, finally got to Blog Talk Radio. Um, actually, I was doing readings with someone referred to me by my massage therapist, formerly in a different field, came from the same uh, professional world that I was in, and referred me to the psychic. And she says, oh, you know, the, the guy from um, uh, uh, Fan of the Opera goes to her. I mean, he's, she's just amazing. She's amazing. So I started doing readings with her and then referred another, a mentor, time to her but I was finding in then comparing notes that there were similar um, things recommended like oh you know you have an allergy to wheat she told that to me she told that to the other person and then I really felt ultimately misled with the situation that I was facing in my life at the time I was given very bad advice by this individual and she was on blog talk radio then I discovered Blog Talk Radio, and I had I had some good readings. There was like a, a rock girl who was really I I really liked her. I really liked her. I connected with her, and it was helpful for me. Was it totally accurately psychic? I mean, she read rock, so you know I I I don't know if she claimed to be a total psychic from pure you know her inner ability or connecting with spirits or spirits or guides she dealt more with the energy of of the earth but she was she was someone I really liked and um there was another lady that I was referred to I don't think she was blog talk and she had some accurate things to say but as far as really getting to the essence of what it is that I was supposed to be doing not really one person was able to pinpoint that until you of course well, I mean, there are there are effective people out there. Sometimes readings can seem to overlap in in ideas and themes, especially if a reader is bringing in uh, past life tribal members. Uh, sometimes that happens. So, aside from making generalizations, it's 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 inevitable that generalizations are going to be made that appear to be overlapping. 
help me, who was nice, very nice. But I just want to say, you know, I want to give Blog Talk Radio its credit that there were people that were there that were helpful. Well, there are people out there that that have points to their talent and their abilities. There's not to say that there aren't. And, you know, I've in, in my encounters on talk shows with other psychics, I've been impressed with some of the things that the psychics have come up with and I thought they were accurate. So it isn't to say we're not we're not making a broad generalization that psychics our main point is that it's become very populated and and everybody has a right to be a psychic, but you know, you just have to kind of pick the person you want. Now some people may love a psychic that that is not that accurate but they just like the energy of the person. That's fine, too. Psychics, unfortunately, they have, they're, they're considered entertainment. Unless they have a rare ability to really connect, and the people that, that uh, patronize them do not consider it entertainment. It's put as entertainment because there's no real... I mean, they've tried to create some sort of scientific background right and then going to a school and then you know you're getting a some kind of certificate that you've been licensed which but there's no real there's no real um you know it's not like there's a board of medicine or anything like that that can certify you as being a true psychic so yeah ucla ran a test challenging psychics to to compete with their machine that was supposed to have make mechanical predictions through rationalization and whatnot. And and I decided in my younger years to do it and I beat the machine and they wanted me to further test me and put electrodes and do things in my brain. I, I wouldn't let them. So I, I disengaged from that immediately and got calls from them for a little while and they were running tests back in the 60s. I'm surprised you let, any, let anyone put put electrodes on your head. I That's, didn't. Oh, you did They were going to. Oh, you They did. wanted to do for, because I was just organically doing better than the machine, they wanted to do to, further To hook you up, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, you and, don't think um, anything touch I, your head. And I know, I said, that's why I stopped the ball. Um, and I never, I mean, I did it because I thought, well, I'll try this. But it, I was just going there to, uh, engaged in the test. That well, this they didn't is, put anything on This me. is an interesting point. Neil does not let anything touch his head. He doesn't wear a hat. He won't wear hats. He should for the sun because of your skin. Um, and we have, you know, really blazing summers here. So it would be better for you to have sun protection. You don't put anything on your head. You don't want anything touching your head. You're, you're very protective of your face. So this is all. This all has to do with the um, right. crown chakra and the sixth chakra. The only, the only thing that uh, which we've never discussed this before, actually. Well, you're giving away more than I want. But sorry, the only sorry. thing that I would allow to touch my head are delusions. That's about. <laughs> it. Uh, but no, you know the 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 head, the crown of the oh, and it's terrible. You know, I get a haircut or the dentist. Now I'm I mean, having to cut your hair, which um, is horrible. I don't even know how to do it. Well, it looks like it, terrible. And you're so impatient. Well, you're better than the bowl you're I had impatient. that I was using. Uh, <laughs> well, let me give but, you a complete haircut. It's so annoying. But the, the uh, you know, the, the, 
it, it wasn't a real decision. The, in, in being a child, look at the energy of the crown on people's heads and the energy aura around the head where most of the, a lot of the energy gathers. I, I started to take some, paid some attention to that energy field. And I noticed that when I, uh, I used to do readings where I would wave my hands around the person's energy and create things. And yes, indeed, the aura would be manipulated. Now, in the hands of a, of a ethical psychic, that's fine. But when it comes to, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, I think it's safe for people to have their heads touched. You know, that's not the No, issue. I'm not saying that about, we're in not making a realization. In my particular case, I absorb people's energy so rapidly that um, having somebody t- touch the, the dome of my profession is like well that's but we're even talking about an inanimate object like a hat so you don't cover and and it, interestingly enough i am someone who loves wearing hats yeah probably a past life thing but, but um, i wouldn't you know i mean and i probably shouldn't it probably closes my my um energy right. in a way that's not probably the most beneficial to me psychically but you know to me it would be like uh touching my hair would be like barging into the pope's quarters and saying, get your ass out there. you got a sermon to do. I mean, you're not, you just, you don't do it. It's a sacred area. And um, I don't know if, you know, psychics used to say to me, oh, let's do, um, we'll do joint readings. I'll do one for you and you do one. Oh, no. No way is it. I wouldn't even, I don't even like to give readings to psychics. I mean, that's their business. It's, but to to do you know psychics organically let's do an exchange i'll i'll do your i'll do your reading and then you'll do mine it, 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 it's almost like hey this is convenient brother and sister we're home alone let's have sex it's there's a there's a there's an i don't know if you if you seen the third eye what that could result in you wouldn't do it, it you just wouldn't do it Psychic energy is sacred. And when you really have it, when you really have psychic energy and you're gifted, you protect it. It, You don't learn to protect it. You just innately, organically, instinctively protect it. And so, you know, I think it just goes along with it. Well, I guess I should be careful then. If you you don't, if you are psychic, but you're not like, quote, totally gifted and awe-inspiring and all that, you're not going to be aware of the dangers that could happen. But, you know, to me, it's about as logical as picking up a hitchhiker on the road that is wearing three guns and a tattoo of a trap. You just don't. It's just not wise. Can it be done? Yeah, I guess it can be done, but not from this part. So the idea of... uh, And then, you know, then... The psychics came a little bit more visible socially when the Renaissance Fair started, like back in the 60s. And then I went to the Renaissance Fair, and lo and behold, psychics all over the place, fortune tellers, you know, the big, the big bang, the big circus was there. And, um, in, in, and this was pure entertainment for me. 
So I hung around and listened to some of the readings, trying to get as close as I could. Oh, my God. It, it was just like saying, uh, you know, I'm a great artist. Let me show you my coloring book I got from the dime store. Uh, you know, but, but that isn't to say that there are excellent readings and readers and gifted people than God. There are, and there's plenty of them. So there is a, um, there is a strong school, if you will. Uh, uh, when I say school, like school of fish, there is a strong school of talented people out there that are totally gifted. So we don't want to be accused that we're being exclusive here. But getting back to the idea of how populated it's become, a whole different story. Uh, that's a story that's still bewildered by how suddenly everybody is a psychic. Now, the people, the few people who um, have, have sought me out to train them, and reluctantly I've tried, they, they give, the discipline is not there. I haven't found discipline there because after a couple of months or whatever, they let go. Now then, maybe I, I bored them to death. I don't know, but but I was never bored by my grandfather, and I was never bored in all the attitude that I had to do in being a psychic, which included you know traveling all everywhere. It doesn't matter. Two o'clock in the morning, I was out working almost twenty four seven, constantly. The work that had to be done to to develop the skill that I had innately immeasurable. Well, yeah, it does take a certain focus that is similar. I mean, especially if you're coming into the world late, like I did. So, I mean, in my life, I've had to devote my life to solely this work, period. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, not that I don't do other things, but, you know, I play Scrabble and crosswords. Well, they, you know, yeah. watch, it's not well, like I, you know, com- completely closed out the outside world. What we, what we, what, in our position, and I believe this deeply, we're venturing into a whole new thought process of numerology. And, illuminating and defining the specific code of a birth date that goes beyond any book that I ever read on numerology, which is probably in the hundreds. There, there are now codes that, that we've discovered um, in a birth date that have been empirically designated as authentic codes that in one's birth date, there is locked a, a certain attitude of a narration of life. And it's not uniform, so you can't say that somebody who has the same birth date with somebody else is going to have the same vibration right. in their number. Right, you don't have the same past lives, you don't have the same wives on this plane, on this, you know. Right. And every number holds a certain frequency, and people can get stuck in any particular theme of the number in their birth date, which prolongs uh, their destiny, stops it, or gets them centered in in a a pile of errors that they're forever lodged in. 
So there are problems. But the birth date, the number, the first thing, the numbers do speak. When I was looking at birth dates, the numbers started to narrate to me. They talked talk to me. They told me things. And I thought I was hearing, you know, some schizophrenic portion of my brain going out in space and bouncing back to me. But the, but the voices became authentic. And it unlocked things that led me on a path to further investigate what a birth date was all about. And I was not a person who loved numbers. I was innately, uh, I'm an animal lover. I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a numbers Well, person. you're a verbal, you're more verbally. Writer. Writer. But like numbers, that. no. They were impersonal and they didn't mean that much to me. Yeah, same. And, and on I the would, standardized you know, test, you know, I always excelled in the, I mean, I did well in the math category too, because I was smart, but I mean, that would be my lower scores. My scores would always be, you know, way above in terms of the percentile in the verbal area, but the math, no, not so much. I didn't like it. And yeah, I didn't like my it. skills have gotten better just with basic math by doing numerology, even though you'll hear it, both of us make arithmetic, <laughs> arithmetic errors on the show. Yeah, we do. We do. But I mean, I've improved. I, I, you know, it was difficult for me to add things up in my head prior to, you know, immersing myself in writing. Well, I know when book. I was in, no, I mean, I took trig and all this stuff and got good grades. But I would argue with the teacher, what, you know, in crossing the street, I'm not going to do trigonometry. It, it just, it's not useful. Well, then why did you take the numbers. class? Why did you? Uh, you why well, was you excelling? Had a, and I, you had a age. choice. So, you know, and the teacher would argue with me. Well, why would you? I mean, the point is, like, either take the course I, or don't. It doesn't. I, the question was never like took the course or not. I, I, I took a lot of courses to get good well, grades, so it didn't matter. I didn't have to love every course I took. Well, you didn't have to argue with the teacher about no, that. No, I did argue with the teacher about the importance about the importance of applying mathematics to life. I mean, if you're not going to be a mathematician or uh, some sort of scientist. How are you going to use trigonometry in life? So my argument was, yeah, I mean, my brain wanted to conquer this stuff, so I'll do it. But it does apply to my life, to life itself. I'm not going to use trigonometry. If somebody asked me, you know, what do you think of that movie? I was more interested in the narration of life. So I would get into these probably self-elected arguments with teachers and sway them from the from the science of mathematics and start telling them what they did over the weekend. And I would say, now I don't need, and I would astonish them. And then I would say, I don't need mathematics to know that. I mean, I take it, but you compelled me to tell me how important it is to understand trigonometry. You know, if I'm going to be a carpenter or do something in architect, in some architect or do something scientifically or calculate fine. But in life itself, my my um, my right brain was arguing with my left brain, and I would engage these teachers in these arguments and and uh, try to challenge them into thinking that abstraction is more than just numbers. But then it occurred to me that there was something about the mystery of numbers, 
And then numbers began to tell me that they were narrations, that they weren't just numbers. And that's what compelled me to fall in love with numbers in the way that my, my history evolved. And then I found that the numbers told stories. They just didn't tell conditions like chakras or anything like that. They began to tell stories about a person's life individually in the birth date. Hard thing to teach, but nonetheless, it's there. And then there were divisions in a birth date between past life and future life and present life, which became even more fascinating. So the more I absorbed my my head in the attitude of birthday, the more I started to be assisted in giving more enhanced readings as it, using numbers as a guide in that regard when I, when I chose to. So now we come to the stage of um, what directs all this. Yes, and I think um, if we don't get any callers, we'll stop a little early today. Yeah, fine. What Five minutes. Say? Yeah. Now, what stage are we on? I'm posting the show late to our pages, but anyway, we'll see well, what happens in it, the next five minutes. It, oh, we're already at 9.40. We yeah. can stop in five minutes. We can stop We can stop in two minutes. We can stop in two minutes? Okay, yeah, we have got a busy so, Friday. You know, we've got a lot of things. So hopefully maybe in the archive somebody can take advantage of some of these things that we've discussed. And uh, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. And until then... Uh, Are we stopping? Yeah, until then, we'll, we'll see you in, in, uh, on Wednesday. Okay. Well, we're, we're stopping. I didn't know we were going to end so soon. What is going on? My bad. computer's going to die. Okay, yes, back on the air Wednesday, as Neil said. And that is at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, speak with you then. Bye-bye. Wait. I'm doing it. You want to read?